and welcome to Front Porch Productions, a podcast brought to you by the Cherokee Scout. This is a podcast where neighbors get to know neighbors. I'm your host, Abigail Hickman. In this episode, we meet Detective Roger Williams of the Cherokee County Sheriff's Department. Come on, let's get to it. Yep, my name is Roger Williams. And I work well, don't say detective. That's <laughs> impressive. Okay, I, I am Detective Roger Williams, and I work with the Cherokee County Sheriff's Office, Murphy, North Carolina. This is Detective Williams. He agreed to sit down with me on a very busy afternoon to discuss with me why he got into law enforcement and why it's so important to him. What brought you into law? Why did you decide to get into law enforcement? The, yeah, to shepherd the community. Oh, I've been in law enforcement since 1981. Why? Uh, well, when I was a little boy, I always wanted to be in law enforcement. Uh, I did go in the military and uh, spent about seven years there. And then I got out and I was able to explore a law enforcement career. And I felt it fit me good. Uh, I do feel that the good Lord leads me and that he led me into a career in law enforcement. You and said when you were a little boy, was yeah. someone in your family in law enforcement? Oh, no, no, no. no so uh, what drew you? Uh, I think a lot of times it is uh, the fact that uh, you, you have a shepherding feeling in your heart. You, you want to watch over people. You know, I've always had that. I was the oldest child. Of how many? Four. I had three brothers, so I was kind of my job to watch over all of them. So you yeah. were trained at a very young age to be a police officer? Eh, kind of, but no. You know. No. I've had to learn a lot over the past years. I thought about all those boys in his family and wondered if anyone else went into law enforcement. And is anyone else in your family in law enforcement? Yes, uh, my son, uh, he works here. He's a, a night shift sergeant. His name is Cody, uh, does a good job. Does a good job seemed like mild praise, but I could tell he was really proud of his son. I mean, he even sat up straighter when he talked about him. But Detective Williams was like most parents. He needed me to understand that his own position in the sheriff's department did not influence how well his son did. He wanted me to know that Cody did it all on his own. You're proud yeah. of him. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. I've watched him grow, and the thing that, that I did with him is I never interfered. He learned on his own. He went to BLE, or yeah, basic law enforcement here, all by himself. Graduated real well in his class, did real good in all the academics and everything else, uh, but he did it all himself. Everything that he's earned here, he's earned. That's why I said it that way. Uh, because he, he doesn't expect a handout. He doesn't come and say, hey, Dad, can you help me out? Not that he don't ask a question, but I answer questions to other people here, too. So. Right, it's your job as a mentor. And what about your wife? Was she concerned about your safety when you went into law enforcement? Well, she doesn't say she does, but I'm sure it does. Uh, she has those nights when they're a little bit farther between than they used to be that I have to leave, especially when the call comes out and it's, hey, Dad, uh, we've got this situation. Uh, we need you out here. Have you had your life in actual danger in the course of duty? Yeah, I mean, I've been shot at, but, you know. It's Has no... anyone ever hit? No. You think you're too fast? <laughs> no, it's not that. I, I promise you that. I'm not fast. They're bad shots. Uh, probably. Uh, one was a, a really elderly woman. Uh, it was late at night, and she... Thought you were an intruder. Yeah. Detective Williams was pleasant enough to talk to, but I had come on a mission. I wanted to know what role law enforcement played in Cherokee County for domestic violence and sexual assault victims. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very interested in your the law, you know, the sheriff's office take on um, sexual assault and domestic violence in your in the county because you yeah. serve Cherokee County. Am I wrong? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So if you could just give me kind of your view or a story of 
how is it a large percentage of your work? Is there what does the sheriff's office do to deter? Because I noticed in your lobby you have an advocate office there in the front. We do. Is that for domestic violence or sexual assault victims? Well, actually, it's a victim advocate. So a lot of times the services are geared towards uh, victims of domestic violence and abuse. But that can also include our little child victims. Little child victims? Yeah. Uh, oh, of sexual Chil assault? Yeah. Children become uh, involved, in, in, unfortunately, uh, they are victims of sexual abuse, sexual assault. When you have domestic violence going on in a house, well, some of the biggest victims are the children because they see all that is going on. Uh, a lot of times uh, they're left to the side. They don't get all the things that they need or they become the object of the abuse that they don't want to direct towards the adult because the adult may fight back. When you go out on a domestic violence call, first of all, is that common? Is like once a week, once a month? I know that, that we answer domestic calls during the week. Uh, Several times a week then? I would imagine that that would be a fair uh, statement. Uh, it's not like necessarily an every hour occurrence. I mean, a domestic can be uh, something between neighbors, okay? They can just be arguments between neighbors. It can be two people that occupy the same house, or it can be people that have a relationship in common. Our conversation shifted when we started discussing how many crime shows are available now and how he considers the consumption of these crime shows to not be a very good thing in his profession. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you, the, a lot of the, the shows that are on TV, they become our enemy sometimes because when we go to trial, then we have to go over that hurdle because they've set a bar like a Law & Order SVU. Okay, that, now that's a big one. Elliot's coming back, right? We know that, right? <laughs> but w when you look at the, the hurdle that's there, I can't get a crime solved. Let's say I have DNA evidence in a sexual assault case. I can't go take that in to the lab right this minute and 10 minutes later I know guaranteed that's a, a guaranteed match. It may take months. Part of it's the back, used to be backlog up there, but part of it is the testing, you know, because you're talking about a very, very serious, this is a match, we can guarantee you 100 gazillion percent, this is a person that you s submitted these samples. You know, Does so. the county suffer from um, the opposite problem, which is victims of rape? Or sexual assault having their rape kit backlogged no I don't I don't believe we actually do uh, there's been the big push I, I know that Attorney General Stein uh, that was one of his big things over the last couple years but I know that over mm, last two to three years for sure maybe four uh, we've been really diligent. Uh, we've worked with the district attorney's office they came in did a, a full inventory of making sure what we had and what needed to be sent uh, and how it needed to be sent because there were different ways to send different types depending on how long they'd been here. But to my knowledge, we have nothing that, except for we do have a new case, uh, but I believe that's the only kit that is actually still here that hasn't been to where it's being tested. Okay, that's great news. Um, back to you going to on a general domestic call. And you arrive to the residence and typically how do you prepare yourself? What do you do as a law enforcement agent to approach okay. the door but you don't know what's behind there well understand as a detective we usually don't that's more the patrol officer that they would be the initial responding officer oh, i didn't know that okay yeah, yeah. So it's not that we can't call and, and make an assessment if there's right. a crime committed then you come out we could uh, depending on, on the nature of the crime and depending on the victim of what they are wanting done sometimes they say we don't want anything done uh, which makes it really difficult on us because there are some uh, in the, the reporting laws that, that we are required to go ahead if we were to see actual physical violence or evidence of physical violence somebody's going to have to go to jail because that's the law good back to what you said about 
a lot of times you go to a, um, we'll go to a domestic call and the person's like, no, no, don't do it because they're of course they're afraid of the person. Does the sheriff's office offer any follow up to like battered wife syndrome or wherever the woman is attached? She feels she needs right. financial security, whatever. She's afraid to leave. After you make a call and if the person says no, back away, is there any further support from the sheriff's office for sure. that person? That, that's the purpose of our victim advocacy program. Okay, talk about that then. All right. Uh, and that was started, oh gosh, years ago. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was about 10 or 12 years, maybe a little bit more than that. They don't necessarily respond to the initial call, but their information is provided, and that's by statute also that we provide them a booklet, but we go the extra step, here's a contact. If it's an egregious or more egregious situation, and they're asked, would you like to talk to the victim advocate? If uh, it's better for the victim advocate to go out there, then they'll go out there and respond and start providing services. Is that uh, through, partly through REACH? Well, they work in conjunction with REACH. I see, okay. okay? Gotcha. Uh, which are both great programs. Mm -hmm. And they do a lot of the same services uh, as far as maybe referral for counseling and things like that. Actually, Stephanie Swanson is our victim advocate. Through the and, sheriff's office? Yes, ma'am. When you're out at the house and the person's like, no, go away, you're like, well, let me offer you this service. Mm -hmm. Is the victim pulled away from, out of earshot, or physically away from Should be. the abuser at that point? Is that the yeah. standard procedure? Yes, ma'am. You, you, want, you want to separate the people. Because they could be intimidated. Sure, you know? sure. Well, all right. So intimidation, the fear of reprisal, fear of I'm losing you know, some type of income, uh, which is my, my security. I could be kicked out of the house, which is not true. You know, the things that prevent that. There's domestic violence protective orders and things like that. So there again, and this becomes a, a huge team with everybody needing to work together. Got it. So, and do they? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, one, we have a very caring community. Uh, and a lot of things that we're probably not proud of as far as the drug situation, things like that. But as far as, as worrying about children, I, I've not seen a community. I mean, I worked in Mobile, Alabama uh, back in the 1980s, and uh, I didn't see the caring and concern that I see here. It, it's a big difference, it, but it is nice to be in a smaller community where you have more ready resources. When a person does say, we want help, get this person out of my house, I need them out of my life, okay. and they accept the advocacy that you offer, and mm -hmm. they press charges and so you take the person away to jail. What happens from that point then? Because let's say the person bonds out. What's the protection for the person left at home? Okay. So uh, let's say that, that we do find that there has been a physical assault and it meets the criteria that the state says that we have developed probable cause that we can present to a magistrate that says this person did this. So at that point, the magistrate would put a no bond condition on that person for a period of up to 48 hours or until the next district court judge is set. Now, there are more things in place, but at the same time, the battered spouse, because it could be either side now, the battered spouse has the ability to go one to a magistrate to obtain a temporary domestic violence protective order. But then they also are able to get a more permanent one. And that's a lot of times where either REACH or our office will assist that person in walking through that process. They will follow through with them and be in court with them. So it gives them the advocacy, which allows them to go through court and not fear. Now, what's put in place by bond restrictions and the domestic violence protective order is certain things like no contact. And if you violate that, you go back to jail immediately. We don't have to run and go get a warrant or anything like that. If they're on the property or they're breaking the conditions of the domestic violence protective order, we can arrest without 
warrant. There is something in place that protects them that used to not be there. But this not having to get a warrant to rearrest somebody who was violating a protective order seemed paltry when faced with a woman at home scared to death of her abuser who's steaming mad now that he's been put in jail, marching back to the house. And what about that time frame between the time she can call 911 if her phone hasn't been destroyed in the first call and when the sheriff gets there? I just felt that there might be more the sheriff's office could do to protect victims of domestic abuse. I know that you feel proud of your job here and your team, but as far as people who have been abused either domestically or in a sexual assault, how do you feel the sheriff's office goes above, beyond the advocacy, standing in court with them, doing all of the legalese that you can do to protect them? Because this is a small community. Do you, right. Is there anything further that you can do or that you do that you can't have done? We, we went through personnel changes, and we've got a new group of investigators, and they're not new, don't, don't get me wrong. Um, they're just new working with each other? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But the team effort, when, when we have something like this, it, it really becomes a team effort. Okay. And we work together. You may not necessarily be the shepherd over that particular case, but know that you're, you may be called on to assist in getting something done, even if it's just what's a good way to go about this next one. Or I need you to do something, like cell phones. I, I pull information off of cell phones all the time. And people come and say, get this off the cell phone. Because that may be the important piece of, of information. Judge needs to know, hey, we really do need to keep this person in there. They really are contacting this person. Do you, would you say, as far as budgetary allotments, that the domestic abuse or sec and sexual assault division, I don't know if there's a division. No, there is no division. If you're an investigator, you're going to... But are you specially mm -hmm. trained? Is there any special training? I have attended a lot of training over the years. I work with the ICAC, is which is Internet Crimes Against Children okay. Task Force. Is that a problem here? Yeah. How many detectives are there on the force here? Let's see. I think it's 11. And what's the population you serve? It would say 27,000, but I'll be honest with you. I think that when they finally do get the all of the counting done and everything, that we'll find out that we've went up a few thousand at least. And then during the summertime... Whenever COVID's over, that will probably be double the 27,000. So we'll be over 50,000, 60,000 people that's here in Cherokee County. Near the end of the interview, I asked Detective Williams if he felt that the women of Cherokee County were protected and well taken care of by the Sheriff's Department because 11 deputies for 27,000 people didn't inspire confidence. When I asked him the question, he paused for a really long time before answering. Do you believe that the women in Cherokee County are well taken care of when it comes to crimes against them? I believe that things that are offered them, the things that we can do for them, that it's ample to solve the problem. Okay, Sexual assaults and physical assaults are very personal in nature. Yeah. So those people, especially when they become little children, it happens to, there are a lot of things as far as mental health that come into play, and that's why uh, people like Haven, the Child Advocacy yes, Center, yes. because very important, uh, because they do provide a lot of those services. That's, that's not us. We can't do that, okay? We don't have the money, and we're not contracted to do that, and we're not trained to do that. Uh, but as far as tools and things like that to, to help them, yes. Uh, as far as feeling comfortable enough to come forward, I can't say that that's always been the nature of the beast. Does the county offer any kind of educational outreach to women and men, honestly, for deterrence? Well, well, I, th I think in April, the REACH does, campaign actually goes out during that time. Well, our time was up, and Detective Williams obviously has a lot to do in the community. But I think one of the main things I learned is that when the women of Cherokee County find themselves entangled in a situation that requires the Sheriff's Department, they can hold steady that they have 
dependable warriors on their side. If you or someone you know is being domestically abused or sexually assaulted, you can call the 24-hour crisis line for REACH at 828-837-8064 or Cherokee County Sheriff's Department in Murphy at 828-837-2589. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us. We'll meet you here next time on Front Porch Productions. Front Porch Productions is brought to you by the Cherokee Scout. Music used by permission from Ketza Drop.